0: Um, Welcome everybody to my uh, whistle-stop tour of the Heritage of Bishop Auckland, focusing mostly on the recently prepared local list. Um, That might mean nothing to you, but by the end of the talk, hopefully local list means something to you. Um, I'm really pleased to be here. Um, I think as Bob will attest, the Heritage Festival, we weren't quite sure what form it was going to take going forward, Um, but it seems to be, even with a bit of rain, everybody's turned out, the town's looking really busy, so I'm really pleased to be here. I mean, I've been involved in regeneration now in Bishop Auckland for quite a period of time and the heritage side of things, so it's great that everybody's here. A bit about who I am. Um, My name's Brian Harris, I'm the Senior Conservation Officer with Durham County Council. That sounds very grand, it's it's easy to be senior when there's only five of you. Um, But we are very lucky, we do still have a team in County Durham. A lot of local authorities don't have a conservation team. They have one conservation officer trying to firefight all their heritage issues. So I've been with the authority now 20 years, so I'm the other end of the career now. Um, But still enjoying every bit of it as I hope you'll see from the talk. So the format this morning um, is Bishop Auckland context, you people know that probably as well if not much better than me. But what I'm going to hope to do is kind of set Bishop Auckland in a a local and national context, say about, about what we think makes it special from a statutory point of view and then move on to the local list stuff which is what really makes it special to the people that live here, the people that visit, the hidden stuff that people might not have known was here and the things that we found out over the period of the research that's gone on quite recently in the town. I'll then move on to the background to the project, which is the local list project, as I said. And then everybody in this room is really lucky you're gonna get a sneak peek of what's actually on the list, um, which isn't published until it's been to our cabinet in November. So nothing startling, but it's quite interesting for you to see how that's gonna look. So just for anybody who isn't local, um, everybody thinks of Durham City as the center of County Durham. It really isn't. It's the administrative center, but Bishop Auckland is by history the largest town, the biggest service, service centre, and it's also, if you take into account the Dales, it's also right in the geographically in the centre of the county itself. So a really important location, has always been an important location, hence the several thousand years of history. The Romans thought it was in a really good location as well. So this is nothing new, um, Bishop Auckland's always been important, always been a really key location. So, what is heritage? Well, I could write a thesis or a d- dissertation on that. So I'm not gonna go deeply into that, but I think the answer is heritage means something different to everybody. There is a national definition of heritage, which we'll have a quick look at in a minute. But what is heritage? Would anybody think of that as heritage? Well, if I tell you that that building has, exactly. um, If anybody, it's sort of a postmodernist art deco type approach. If anybody knows that building, it's a speculative office building in the city of London. It actually dates from 1997, and it has exactly the same heritage status as the building that we're sat in. So how do you define heritage if this and that are considered to be exactly the same? They're both grade two star listed buildings, and I'll explain a bit more about that in a little while. Heritage, it absolutely is. Um, It's the remains of a, a Roman road somewhere in the Pennines in Yorkshire. Um, so again, you know, people have probably tramped over that for years and not really thought too much about it, but when you actually dig into it, it's a scheduled monument, or don't dig into it because it is a scheduled monument, (laughs) please don't. Again, heritage, very rare now, um, the old AA call boxes, I don't think I've ever seen one in reality, but there'll be a lot of people that do remember these when they were far more common, and this is the one that I like very much, Mm. heritage, well, yes, they are. They're on the local list. These are actually in Killingworth. And these were added to a local list quite some time ago. So these matter to the people that lived there and they thought this was their heritage of the future. So I think those four slides just demonstrate that heritage can be anything and it's what matters to people. So the national context. I'll flick through this reasonably quickly. Um, But as I say, what is heritage um, and why does it matter? Well, heritage assets are... A range, or they they can range from sites and buildings of local historic value to those of the highest significance, such as World Heritage Sites, um, which are intentionally recognised as being of outstanding universal value, so important internationally. Um, These assets are an irreplaceable resource and should be conserved in a manner appropriate to their significance, so however important they are, they should be conserved to reflect that and so that they can be enjoyed for their contribution to the quality of life and of existing and future generations. Now from when I started my career that's actually quite a change because conservation was really just about we should preserve all things just for the, the sake of it. Now it's about what do they bring to people's lives, how do they enhance people's experience and what is their purpose for being there. The National Lottery and Historic England have very much moved in that direction. And they're very keen now that heritage assets should make a contribution to people's quality of life. We shouldn't just be preserving buildings and plowing millions of pounds into things just because we can. You'll all remember back in the day, some of the old, um, the major national lottery projects, these national museums, these national projects, they opened, they ran for 18 months and they closed because it wasn't what people valued. It wasn't the important things. So heritage nowadays is very much about people's experience Designated heritage assets, um, they're the things that are designated by central government, by local authorities, and these can include World Heritage Sites, scheduled monuments, protected rec sites, registered park and gardens, registered battlefields, conservation areas, listed buildings. So they're all the things that are defined statutorily. So what do we have in County Durham? We have one World Heritage Site, which is Durham Castle and Cathedral, We have 3,036 listed buildings and five of us to look after them. 101 Grade 1 listed buildings, which are of national or international importance. 157 Grade 2 star, which are of national importance. And actually that changed last week because the government have just added Hyneton Station, now as the oldest station in the world, to the Grade 2 star list. So those figures in a week are out of date. And we've got 2,778 Grade 2 listed buildings, which are the ones that are important nationally, uh, locally or regionally. We also have 226 scheduled monuments, 93 conservation areas, soon to be 94, and 17 registered parks and gardens, which are historic landscapes. And we have one historic battlefield, which is the Neville's Cross battlefield just outside Durham City. So how does Bishop Auckland figure in those facts and figures? Well, we have a very large conservation area in Bishop Auckland which covers the core of the town. That was designated in 1969 and has evolved ever since. Uh, the legislation to designate conservation areas actually only came into place in 1967. So the Bishop Auckland one was a very early designation. We have two scheduled monuments located within the conservation area. One is the Deer House and the other one is Skirlow Bridge or the Old Newton Cap Bridge. Eight Grade 1 listed buildings, two Grade 2 stars, and 65 Grade 2 listed buildings. So Bishop Auckland has its fair share of the heritage assets within County Durham. We have the the Grade 2 star registered park and garden, which is obviously the parkland around the castle site. And obviously we have the historic form and associations with the Roman road, which gives the whole town its kind of Roman heritage and history um, leading down to Binchester Fort. And you see at the bottom, the local list to be adopted in September. That's just been through our corporate management team and they've endorsed that now to go forward to Cabinet in November for those local list entries to be published. And we've also just commissioned the review of the Conservation Area Character Appraisal, which is a document that guides development in the town um, and helps with um, our planning side of things to make sure that the heritage features appropriately in any decisions that are made. So there's a new Conservation Area Character Appraisal and Management Plan about to be produced and that will be going out to public consultation at various points over the next few months so keep an eye out for the opportunities to feed into that. That's just a map really to um, show what we have. We have the large red line is the conservation area which as you can see is quite a large conservation area. We've got the scheduled monuments on there, the listed buildings, the parks and gardens, tree preservation orders, village greens and areas of landscape, high landscape value. So Bishop Auckland has a bit of everything going on. And I think on a day to day basis, you can miss a lot of that. We all drive in, we park, we run around Newgate Street, Newgate Centre, whatever else. And you go again and you forget what we're actually walking amongst and what we've got going on. And I think this is the message that we really need to be selling to people. It's more than the sum of just its buildings, its new tower, its new galleries and things. We have everything in Bishop Auckland and if we can link all that together, that's really what a lot of the work that's been done recently should be about. So as I said, World Heritage Sites, um, Durham Cathedral and Castle, I think known to just about everybody. We do only have one, Um, they're very difficult to manage because they're managed by an organisation called UNESCO Um, and as you can understand from that, that's an international organisation which tries to apply similar standards to a very diverse range of sites across um, every country in the world Um, and World Heritage Sites are quite difficult. We've just or are just about to commission a setting study so that we can actually understand the impact that the World Heritage Site has on development opportunities in Durham City itself. We've been under a lot of pressure, as I'm sure everybody's aware, to make sure that everything that happens in the city doesn't detract from the World Heritage Site. So we're trying to put all of those pieces in place at the moment to make sure that as we move forward, you may have heard about liverpool coming off the unesco list because of the developments that happened on the riverside we need to be careful that durham doesn't end up in the same situation it's a balance between protecting the heritage and allowing a city to evolve as they always have done and it's very similar in bishop auckland as well scheduled monuments can be anything um, that's Harpley prisoner of war camp or ministry of um ministry of works camp um, again scheduled monuments most intact um, works camp left in the country one of very few that has all the standing remains still there. We have the German and the British sides, or as it was Italian and British, to be fair. Um, So we've done a lot of work over the last few years with the owner of that. It is on the risk register, so we know it's at risk. The buildings were only built to have a five year lifespan. And here we are nearly 80 years later with bits of them still remaining. The majority of the fabric is still there, um, but we're aware that the clock is ticking on that one. So People assume that scheduled monuments are Stonehenge and things like that. They don't have to be. Um, This is a a Second World War scheduled monument. Protected wrecks. um, This is a wreck off the Isle of Scilly, Isles of Scilly rather. We don't have any protected wrecks. It's the only designated asset that we don't have in County Durham. Um, We have a project running on the coast at the moment called Seascapes. And a lot of the work that they're doing is actually off the shore and a certain distance out into the tidal areas. So it is possible that we may find some wrecks. We know there are wrecks off Seam. So it's possible that in the future you may see protected wrecks added to the list of things that we also have to protect. They become quite complicated because obviously there's the the whole issue with the crown estate and who owns the land and whose responsibility are they. But ultimately they fall under the protection of um, conservation legislation. Registered parks and gardens um, are really either historic or contemporary high quality landscapes. You'll probably recognise that one as the Gardens to Bowes Museum. I just use that because everybody knows the castle gardens. So it's just to demonstrate that we have a wide range. You know, you've got the kind of the natural parkland of, of Bishop Auckland but you've also got things like the formal gardens of Boes Museum, and we have everything in between those. We have large walled gardens, we have water gardens, we have all sorts of things on there that are actually registered parks and gardens. We actually also have cemeteries, um, the crematorium um, also has registered park and garden status. So again, very diverse and can mean many different things. Registered battlefields, well, considering what went on at Neville's Cross, nobody would know there was ever much going on, having said that. It was 14th century, so it's had plenty of time for um, things to be uh, hidden now. They do keep coming back. The registered battlefield um, featured very heavily in the recent consideration of the County Durham plan when there were proposals for a a relief road to the west of the city. Um, It did impinge on the battlefield and the inspector who looked at that gave great weight to the importance of the battlefield and it'll come as no surprise that that proposal was eventually dropped from the County Durham plan. So you can see how heritage, as long as we know about it, can influence the outcome of these planning planning things. So, conservation areas. As I say, we've got 93, soon to be 94. Um, It is a high number, but Durham's a very large county. It's one of the largest counties or largest administrative areas in the country. And we also have very diverse conservation areas. Barnard Castle, um, a traditional historic high street, very similar in character to some of the, um, the high-end buildings in Bishop Auckland. The one on the top is Hackwood's House at Shildon, so we have conservation areas around industrial heritage and the railways. You recognise Tommy at the bottom from Seaham. so we have the old industrial centres, which are now recreating themselves into something different. The photograph in the middle, um, unless anybody knows it, um, it's one of our Teesdale conservation areas, to be honest, if you did an aerial shot of a lot of our Weardale and Teasdale conservation areas, they're very similar. They're traditional Durham village green settlements, um, picture postcard villages, uh, I suppose you would argue. And one of the things that Durham also has, if you look at the bottom corner, is estate villages. That's actually taken in Stain and it's some of the terrace housing which is retained by Raby Estates. But we also have the likes of Lartington, which was linked to Lartington Hall. Um, we have Barningham linked to the estate down there, and they all developed as villages serving the big house and the estates. So we've got very diverse conservation areas. They tend to repeat, but there's, there's a big variation in terms of characters that we have. Now, listed buildings, I could have chosen any one of 3,000 and put a picture up. I happened to, choo- to choose Red Hills, um, just because of the fact that it is quite a late building. Um, it's early 20th century. But also you've got other listed structures in there because the statues themselves that you can see are listed in their own right. Um, I presume because they're a fundamental part of the landscape that surrounds the building. So it's about how all those elements work together, what they contribute to the history of the site and the understanding. Um, So again, listed buildings, very diverse, um, obviously soon to be or currently subject to. Um, significant restoration and engagement with local communities to try and repurpose that after the demise of the coal mining industry in the county. So that's a bit of a run through what we have in County Durham and how that relates to Bishop. Bishop Auckland itself, um, for anybody who's been around for the last five years, um, will know that Bishop Auckland was awarded what was called Heritage Action Zone status. The clue's in the title. Um, It was an action zone to try and stimulate the use of heritage to bring about regeneration. Now this was always meant to be complementary to the big schemes that were going on. This was to run alongside the castle and various other things. So this was to complement and make sure that the town, as much as was possible, benefited from everything that the Auckland project were doing on the major projects. So the purpose of that um, as it says was for historic places that have the potential to become focal points for sustainable economic development and community development i think this morning is a good example of what this is because the heritage is what has brought a lot of people into town today so this is about harnessing that and using that to get people in hopefully while people are here they support the economy they buy a coffee they spend some money in the shops they do whatever So it's not all about doing building restoration, but this sort of thing that we're doing now um, is all about using the heritage to bring people forward. I suspect there are people in town today that maybe haven't been in to go to the Spanish Gallery or won't come in in a month's time to go to the Faith Gallery. So it's it's that diversity and providing something for everything. Areas with an untapped potential rich in settlement, industrial, rural, cultural and faith heritage. Well, Bishop has it all. Um, It's all here, it's just about getting the message out. The people in this room know that. Um, It's about us sharing that with the outside world and making sure that people come and they spend more than a couple of hours here. Um, There's well-rehearsed economics out there that says an overnight visitor spends 10 times as much as a day visitor, and we need people to come. If we want restaurants to open and cafes to stay here, we need people to stay overnight and, and frequent those. And it's how we repurpose the vacant buildings, get new uses in there. You may have seen recently that there are two buildings currently in for planning permission on Newgate Street, where a young chef who was on MasterChef has done crowdfunding. And I think in the last few days has reached his target to actually deliver the project to open a new high-end restaurant in Newgate. But knowing that he needs to diversify, he's going to do tasting menus, but he's also going to do daytime specials and various things. So they're the sorts of things that when we started this five years ago, I was never sure that we would see coming forward. And I certainly didn't think somebody would be able to raise thirty-five or possibly more than £35,000 on a crowdfunding basis to open a restaurant in Bishop Auckland. So confidence is growing. Anybody who follows social media will know that not everybody's confident and not everybody's happy with everything that comes forward. Um, but somebody will be happy with something. Everybody will be happy with something eventually. So hopefully the mix is there and hopefully we do get there. And it's also about often undervalued and underused or under significant pressure. Well, Bishop Auckland was under significant pressure. um, It still is. You know, nobody nobody can dress that up. We still have economic problems. We still have vacancy rates. But these things take so long. Um, I've just mentioned the Faith Museum. I started work on that 10 years ago and it opens next month. So these things don't come quickly. We started talking to the guys who are currently converting the old Burton's building nearly three years ago, and it's only just on site. Um, The King James School building, which is now converted to to housing. So we're bringing people back to live in the town. The fire was 2007. Um, Even as an optimistic conservation officer, I thought that one was a lost cause. I thought demolition would have been the outcome just proves you can always be wrong. You know, we've now got 12 or 13 um, really good quality flats in there for people to move back into town, which again supports new ventures and brings buildings back into use because you've got people living and using the high street. And one of the key outcomes of the Heritage Action Zone was to actually get people back into town. So you've got King James, you've got the St Anne's school site next to that. So you've got that concentration of new housing. Um, So hopefully that continues again, as I say, um, confidence is building in the housing market. So what were the aims and objectives? To make more productive use of heritage assets to support sustainable growth? Well, we've just talked about that. Deliver flexible responses to local circumstances. Well, we've learned to be flexible in Bishop Auckland. Um, as a planning authority, when somebody comes in and says, we want to open a French themed or a, a theme park in Bishop Auckland based on a French model, you look at people and you go, okay, we'll see you later. And you you, you think these things can't happen or won't happen. So we've learned to understand that nothing's not or nothing's impossible in Bishop Auckland. Um, And it's not just the Auckland project that are bringing forward things, it's like I say, you know, it's it's new businesses taking the leap of faith, it's gift shops, it's little cafes, it's a guy opening a restaurant. It's a whole change. Everybody keeps saying we need shops. We do, but the shops are gonna be different. The high street has changed, it's a national trend. um, And we've got to be fleet of foot and we've got to support these people coming in. And one of the things that we've done with the delivering flexible responses is to offer grant assistance to people to refurbish buildings, not only externally, but internally to allow their uh, their businesses to start and to flourish. Um, So it's really slow. It is laborious. It is glacial pace and people some weeks will not notice anything's happened but we are seeing changes. And I think anybody who's been around long enough will see that it's not just the big projects now. The little things are coming along behind. And then, of course, you get a kick like something, you know, Wilco's goes goes bust nationally and Bishop Auckland loses a big player in the market in the town. So you can never guess what's going to happen next. Um, Some good, some bad. Um, You'll have heard that Stack are investing in the vacant mother care site. What's happening with the Bales building? The Bales building is... One of our residual projects that we're looking to, we hoped to support it before the end of the Heritage Action Zone, which is the end of March, just gone. Uh, Because of the size of the building and the costs, it's never stacked up in the economy as it was, because interest rates were continuing to go up. Inflation was out of control. Again, you know, a little bit of good news this week, not to get political, but I understand that the interest rate hasn't gone up. And hopefully we've got to the end of that and inflation is coming down. There is interest in the site. It does have planning permission for hotel and residential use. So all we're waiting for now is the developer to come forward with the model. Is that a listed building? It is a two listed building and there is some work to be done in the very near future with the owner about the condition that it's being allowed to get into. Um, we need to make sure that while these buildings are standing, they're not deteriorating and adding to the cost of doing the project at the end of the day, otherwise they become even less viable than they were eventually. The likelihood is, in the northeast, in any town centre location, that will not stack up commercially without some support. Now, that could be charitable, it could be local authority, it could be housing association, it could be anything. Um, It could be central government housing support. But they're big buildings, they're expensive to convert. And unfortunately, in Bishop Auckland, the return on that investment is not as high as it can be elsewhere. Central Newcastle, great. Bishop Auckland and County Durham, not so good. no. When it was completed we had to apply to Historic England to review the list description because obviously it wasn't what it used to be so the list description of the building as it was and when they reviewed that they delisted the building so it's no longer listed but thankfully the facade as it was is knitted into the building so we still have control over that because it's flat they need planning permission to do anything to it so any changes to the front elevation would still need consent. Are empty Not necessarily. Unfortunately, that's one of the major issues that we've had in the past. What's happened during the, the major recession and the downturn in the economy is that they've come to market and they've been bought in London auctions by people who see a very large three-storey building for £70,000. And they think, great, we'll buy that. And then they really don't realise what they've bought and the fact that actually if they spend 200000 on it, it's still probably worth 90000 So it's a misunderstanding of the market. And what we are seeing is some of those coming back to local owners and we're seeing investors who are buying multiple buildings now but with an end use in mind so we're not getting this speculative purchase um, where people are um, buying things mothballing them and the, the long-term voids basically um, around the kingsway car park site as it's going to be you may know there's a the planning application for that vacant plot on kingsway at the moment That's where the new restaurant's gonna be. Um, Number 47, which is Burton's building, is coming forward as overnight accommodation, residential and commercial on the ground floor. We're expecting the old um, Masonic Hall to come forward pretty soon. The Lightfoot Institute on the other side of the road is converted to apartments already. So we're starting to see confidence in that central area as well. So it's moving away from the marketplace and taking new development up onto the high street. As part of that, there'll be a new square up there. So when we have events like this, you'll be able to move some of the events actually out of the marketplace and take footfall to shops further up the street. So it's about bleeding that out and linking up to the station eventually. Um, There's a whole plan there somewhere. Um, With the increase in residential uh, occupation in in the town centre, what's going to happen with parking for residents? I honestly don't know the answer to that. Um, I mean, new development in town centres has less onerous requirements for parking because we try and encourage people to use the public transport provision in town centres there's a whole debate going on with my planning colleagues at the moment about planning standards or parking standards in the planning process what's necessary what isn't Um, you'll know when Kinran opened, there was a lot of um, work done around parking permits to make sure that their parking didn't come out into the the main street. And I think as the economy changes in Bishop Auckland, we'll need to keep looking at things like that. One of the things that we've had to look at while we've been doing temporary works or when we do footpath and road improvements is how we still maintain um, accessible parking in the town centre, keep numbers up. So it's, it's all part of the things that we'll have to keep looking at because what we were doing 10 years ago might not be what works now because everything's changing differently. On days like today, places are busy. I noticed North Bondgate Car Park is, is quite busy today. Um, On-street parking's almost full. I noticed coming in from Durham Road. Yes, Bob? You mentioned the Burton's building and you mentioned uh, the Masonic building in between the mechanics institute. hmm I mean, the only news we have is that the same people who are looking to pull together everything else are working through, for anybody that doesn't know, um, actually it's in one of the slides later on, but the Mechanics Institute next to the old post office. um, It's a very difficult building because it's not one that we can just swoop in and buy. There's a really complicated legal history behind it with trustees. And unfortunately, the last trustee has died um, and it doesn't actually belong to anybody so there's a whole legal process with the land registry and anybody who's been involved in the land registry will know they move even slower than local authorities can. Um, so there is a process to work through that to bring that building back and there is some initial work done on how the Mechanics Institute could be repurposed and I do believe Bob is moving and I'm, we're hopeful that we'll see a planning application for that in the not too distant future. Can I just ask one? We're asked about and the mm-hmm. Which one's listed? And which one isn't? The post is Grade 2 listed. The Queen's is identified in the current conservation area character appraisal as an important local building. Right. What, what nice hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, the current conservation area character appraisal is on the county Durham website, and in the back of that, there is an appendix that lists all the listed buildings um i would say that it's 2014 and we've just commissioned the new one so it'll still have things in like king james school which now no longer is Um, but obviously that will be updated and by kind of late spring next year the new document will be online but i think as part of the local list project we will be making more and we'll be doing some press coverage about the the locally listed stuff which will probably stimulate a debate about the um, the statutorily listed stuff as well which brings me to creating a lasting legacy at the bottom which moves us on to bishop Orton local list you'll be pleased to know um, the lasting legacy, um, we were very keen um, and I keep referring to Bob, I assume everybody knows Dr. Bob McManus, who was very kind to chair our historic, uh, or our advisory panel for the Heritage Action Zone. Um, we were very keen that when that came to an end, that there had to be a legacy, we couldn't just get to the 31st of March and go, that was lovely, we all walk away now. So that's morphed into a conservation area advisory panel, um, which I think Bob, I'm fair to say is, um, the aim of that is to, to see what happens next. And to ensure that the the stronger towns and the future high streets money that's going to be invested over the next couple of years in the town doesn't adversely affect the heritage and actually complements everything that's being done it's very easy when you get large pieces of of government money um, for those to overtake everything else and and forget the smaller things Uh, that hasn't happened up to now in Bishop Auckland thankfully Um, and as I say that conservation area advisory panel which is chaired independently um, is, is in place to, to oversee that. So that's one of the lasting legacies. But one of the lasting legacies that, on a project that we are literally just picking up in the six months after the has is the local list. Now that stems from, I don't know whether anybody's doing the, the guided walk today, but the two researchers that are doing the guided walks from Historic England actually produced the Bishop Auckland um, Historic Area Assessment, which is about year thick. Um, and if anybody's um, in need of, you know, something to read for a couple of weeks, then it's, it's a really interesting read but it's, it's a hefty tone um, and that's been distilled into the new Bishop Auckland book which I'm sure somebody will be selling somewhere but it's not me so I'm not on a sales pitch. Um, and that historic area assessment really was the basis of identifying the importance of the unseen, the things that aren't on the statutory lists, the things that aren't recognised nationally and it goes through street by street, building by building but also brings in some of the stuff that's never been in the conservation area, like the, the industrial heritage around Railway Street further down, the, um, down Newgate Street. So it started us looking at a whole load of different things and what actually is important in Bishop Auckland and what is the history underneath things like, you know, the castle and, and various other things and the new Spanish art and Kinran. What's, what's the layer under that, the, pe- the things that people identify with? Um, and the project that we then took on, background to the project, was what's very grandly called the Local List Project. Um, And it was a a campaign launched by the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government, as it was, um, then under the auspices of Robert Jenrick. And unfortunately, I heard the gentleman who spoke before me refer to COVID. And he launched this at the back end of 2020 with a view to this starting in April 2021. So his timing was terrible. Um, And that selected 22 pilot areas nationally to be given funding by um, central government to undertake a project to identify local lists in local areas. So this is buildings, um, structures, things, artworks, landscapes, which which matter to local communities. So less than 50% of local authorities in the country actually have a local list. So it's something that everybody knows we should do. It's good practice. But to be honest with you, when you're doing the day job, it's very difficult to get to this. As I say, over 3,000 listed buildings, 94 conservation areas, this is the, this, these are the nice to do's. Now with this um, campaign came some clean money, some government money that was only available for this project, so we were lucky enough to be able to um, appoint two temporary officers to undertake this, one project officer who did all the legwork, the research and various other things, and an engagement officer who then went out and worked with local communities to bring this to fruition. We were led to believe that the outcomes of this are likely to continue are likely to influence the continuing planning reform. Now we're sneaking ever closer to a general election, so what planning reform will look like going forward, we don't know. But this is all part of the localism agenda and people having responsibility for their own environment. Um, so local listed buildings are likely at some point to be given upgraded protection in the planning system. So you'll need to justify why a developer wants to knock down something that matters to a local community, something that's on a local list. They wouldn't spend a million and a half on this project just to produce lists. It's it's for a reason. Governments don't do that. It'll it'll turn up somewhere in legislation in, in years to come. So it's also linked to the delivery of High Street Heritage Action Zones. Now, High Street Heritage Action Zones were the ones that came after Bishop Auckland when the government realised that the retail economy really had flatlined and all of their money and Historic England's money and everybody else's money, you know, future high streets, stronger towns, all needed to be pumped into high streets. So they very much linked this local listing project to that period of Heritage Action Zones. We were just a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, And it's linked to what's called a local to statutory project. So somebody asked about whether King James is still listed. One of the things that can come out of the local listing project is that Historic England will review our nominations locally as to whether they warrant national protection. So if we identify, we've come across all sorts of things, not necessarily in Bishop Auckland, but in other settlements. And you look at them and you go, well, that's listed and that isn't, and you think, why not? You know, that's greater value. Um, so there's there's an opportunity through this program to to upgrade the nationally listed things. Venovium House certainly isn't. Um, however, it is—or Venovium House is a strange one because it wasn't built with planning permission. It was built under crown exemption because of the original occupier of the building. So I like to think that planning aren't responsible for Venovium House because it, it was never granted planning permission. It's a bit like building a prison um, or something like that. It's done under crown, crown exemption or crown immunity. Um, so it's not listed. So in theory. It doesn't have statutory protection under the planning system. I'm not gonna ask why you asked that question, but I know there's a, there's a campaign for it not to be there. Um, so what is, what is local heritage and local listing? Well, local heritage, whether buildings, monuments, sites, places, areas, historic parks and gardens, or other designated landscapes play an essential role in building and reinforcing a sense of local character and distinctiveness in the historic environment. So as I say, I keep coming back to this thing, it's about what local people value. It can be formally identified in a number of ways as part of a wider range of designations. We've generally, we've done this sort of work through conservation area character appraisals, planning documents, master plans. And it's never really been a community led project where we've actually gone out to people and said, what do you think? It's been a list that we've put in the back of things like the appraisals. So this is it's really a way of, of bringing that down from being a top down rather to a bottom up. Um, and then local heritage lists provide a consistent and accountable way of identifying local heritage assets. So I'll go on to say how we do it in a second, but this is about getting consistency. So that something that's locally listed in Seam or Sacriston or Sedgefield is assessed on the same basis as Bishop Auckland so that they're comparable. Um, otherwise, somebody will say, well, you know, there's, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just somebody's opinion. But it, it hopefully isn't. So what can be locally listed? Um, They tend to follow very similarly to what is on the the statutory list. So we've got buildings, we've got civic structures and public art, we've got street furniture, we've got archeology, span we've got wrecks, we can have parks and designed landscapes. It can be parks that aren't designed landscapes. It can be very informal parks. Um, Open spaces are often very valuable to local communities, more so than historic buildings because they engage more with those spaces. So I think the answer is in terms of locally listed, Anything can go on a local list as long as it meets the criteria for doing so. So when we bid for the money for this, we had a big debate about do we try and do the whole county? Um, And we thought that would be mad. And it would have cost a fortune. It would have taken us till about 2032, I think. Um, So we targeted eight areas. In hindsight, we should probably have done four rather than eight um, because if you think that between those areas that you see on there, we've actually identified nearly 2,000 entries onto these new local lists. If I tried to do the whole of County Durham, I suspect it could have been 30, 40,000 entries. Um, so I'm pleased we did do only a small number. So it was Bishop Auckland, Durham City, Sacriston, Seam, Sedgefield, Shotley Bridge, Staindrop, and the Stockton and Darlington Railway, uh, which we thought was quite an easy win because it's a long linear line and nothing much changes, how wrong I was. Um, but. We tried to get some diversity. We've got commercial centres, we've got residential, we've got industrial, we've got village greens, we've got, um, as I say, we've got estate villages, and then we've got the industrial of the Stockton and Darlington one. I think the Stockton and Darlington railway one was the one that won us the money because it was a cross-boundary bid with Darlington and a little bit of Stockton, and I think because the 200th anniversary is coming up, the, the government who were also investing in the Stockton and Darlington Heritage Action Zone and the walking and cycling route associated with that. I think they thought this would be a nice link and one department was actually talking to the other type thing. Um, so I think that's probably what won us the money. And we actually, I don't know whether I said, we've got £60,000 from central government to appoint the two temporary officers. Um, so this project did not cost Durham County Council out of its core budget one penny, which is, which is really good. So the process, we all like a chart. Um, it's a seven stage process and we're at about stage five at the moment so we've got commencement of the project and um, where we launched that then we worked to develop the criteria then we worked to identify the potential assets then we looked at assessing those assets against the criteria and then once we've got that we have a finalized or finalized draft list which is as I say working its way through the, um, the, the internal stages at the moment. It's been signed off by the corporate management team and it is due to go to cabinet um, in November. Would have gone a little bit earlier, but you know how these things work and, and different things happen and different things overtake things. Publication, um, it will be published. It will. The entire local list will be available um, electronically, in paper form, however people want to engage with that. We have a website called Keys to the Past, which is a a publicly accessible Google Keys to the Past, and you can search for any settlement, any type of building. And if there'll be a search element on there for local lists, so if you wanted to see the local list for Bishop Auckland, you just put Settlement Bishop Auckland and tick the local list box and it'll give you a list of everything on the screen that's locally listed. As I say, those will also be available um, in paper form or downloadable PDFs or however people want to engage in that. So it's not kind of a hidden document that's not gonna be out there. It will also be put onto our council systems. So anybody making decisions about the disposal of land or buildings or planning decisions will understand the heritage context that they're working in. Number seven is quite interesting, review. Um, We need to review the local list because criteria can change, buildings can change, spaces can change, uses can change. Um, So there will be a review process in there to make sure that they remain up to date and it's not just a stagnant list. That review will also involve adding things to it. Um, You know, we've done a fairly deep dive in Bishop Auckland to look at this first list. There will always be things we've missed. There will always, there are things in the historic area assessment that I didn't even know were there. And you'll see a couple in the photographs um, until the architectural investigators, I think they call themselves, kind of went ferreting around in the undergrowth. I've been working in Bishop 20 years. And as I say, there's things in there that I didn't even know were there. So we do have a process. We do have criteria which are based on age and rarity, group value, architectural or artistic interest, historic interest, and archeological interest. There are a whole load of criteria that sit under that and that anybody who really wants to read a load of criteria, I'm more than happy to share that with you. But there's about four or five different subheadings under each of those. And then there's a scoring criteria and if they meet a certain level, then they're, they're, they're put in as a, as a locally listed entry on the um, on the list. So there is a mechanism for doing it What did we achieve through the engagement? Um, Well, we made contact with over 120 groups and individuals, 42 councillors in 20 wards in pilot areas, 10 town and parish councils, 6 MPs and 5 AAPs. For anybody who doesn't know, an AAP is an Area Action Partnership. Um, We worked in partnership with the DCC consultation team and Historic England and our um, Heritage Action Zone partners. We did several walking tours, consultations and open (coughs) meetings across the pilot areas. The timing was terrible. As I say, this launched on the 1st of April, 2021, which was a fortnight after when we got put into lockdown. So it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. And doing online consultation is never as good as doing what we're doing here, where people can fire a question at you and you can see people face to face. We did Teams meetings, as I say, we did um, face to face meetings with local interest groups. We did social media with a view to trying to engage with um, different audiences. Um, it's still very difficult to do heritage projects, and please don't take this the wrong way, but if you look at the demographic in this room today, getting other people involved in heritage projects is still quite hard. Social media is helping with that, but when we did the analysis of the feedback, it's still predominantly, how can I say this politely, it's, it's the older generation, it's, it's, it's the white, genera- it's the white um, demographic, Um, It's very difficult to engage, and the the National Trust have exactly the same issues. Um, But, you know, we we demonstrated to the central government that we tried that. We tried different alternatives. We sent our engagement officer out into the Foundation College at at Durham University. She did school visits. She took school groups out to to do um, site visits and, and rubbings on old stone gateposts and things to engage them in the heritage. So we did try and do different things. Um, but it's still very difficult in heritage projects to, to engage widely. Our socially distanced um, public meetings, which I'm pleased to see the back of, thank God. Um, and then if you couldn't do them socially distanced, you did them outside. Very cold set of site meetings, I've got to be honest. It does keep things brief if you do it in December though. Um, so yeah, we, we, we work differently, but we still manage to engage people. And that's one of the events that we did on the Stockton and Darlington Railway. Um, as I say, you can see we're all wrapped up in duffel coats. So. So what did we come out of this with? This is what it's going to look like. Um, it's not earth shattering. It looks far nicer when you see it on a screen and you have a picture and a description and everything else, but you'll have an image of what's there, a description of where it is and what it is, and then a brief description of its history. They will be slightly longer in the, on the online version, and obviously we'll be able to add photographs or we can do multiple photographs online. So you may go into one entry and have internal and external shots. Um, so there are 72 entries on the new list which is slightly more than you've got on the statutory list at the moment. So we've got 69 on the statutory list and 72 on the local list. So what have we got? Um, We've got the things that we've probably all walked over and never taken much notice of. Um, We've got hidden culverts and bridges and various things in the parkland. For anybody who knows the parkland, this isn't just me taking crazy pictures of, of grass for no reason. These are actually the archaeological depressions of the historic fish ponds. So again, the locations were identified through archaeological work and the work that was done under the, um, the deep dive that Historic England did. We knew they were out there, we knew where they should be, um, but this has actually clarified where those are. Um, they don't actually have any statutory protection because they are just depressions in the ground. They are in the registered park and garden, but that only protects the landscape, not the things within there. So at least they're now on the local list. We can tell people that they're stood in the middle of a dry fish pond. Um, It's a talking point. Um, As I say, it's interesting to some people. We've got the slightly quirky things. Um, We've got historic road signs, which the majority of those have just been lost over years when people replaced them. Um, That one's High Bond Gate. There are about, I would say seven or eight of those left in town. Um, one of the next projects is to see how we can refurbish them, so that people can actually see them. Um, There's actually one in the sports room, and it's inside the building, and it outside the building. Sorry? See? That's There's one from your list. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying, you know, you, you've literally, you've just proven the point that the list now, I could have added another one on because it should be back on the building outside. Um, so it's going to be an ever evolving list. We've got new things coming through which reference the history of the town. You know, we've got the street art that's starting to take place. Um, references Stan Laurel, Stanley Jefferson. And then we've got the Stan Laurel statue. Um, art's subjective, isn't it? Um, some people like it, some people don't. But it is something that a different group of people in town identify with. And At the bottom, we've got the phone box directly outside here, which was saved by a local group um, who adopted that from BT Openreach who were gonna it in the skip um, because it's surplus to requirements. Just a quirky one on the phone box. um, I don't know whether anybody knows but the K6 by Giles Gilbert Scott is actually the most listed um, structure in the country. There's about two and a half thousand listed red phone boxes all identical. Um, Ours isn't listed for some strange reason. Um, I guess whoever did the listing didn't see it. Um, But again, as I say, the middle picture, um, historic cartway surfacing to a building at the back of Newgate Street. The one at the top um, is a nice local little park, but for anybody who knows it, um, I'm never sure about saying this, but it's actually, correct, exactly. It's a difficult one to deliver in a presentation because you don't know who you're going to offend. But the background to that is that there's similar parks named the same way across the country because the nursemaids used to meet there and feed the children. So it has a social history as well as, as being a pleasant green space in town, and we certainly wouldn't want to see it. So it again, gone on the local list, it amuses me anyway. I'll send that to our elected members and they can read the name, it'll keep them amused. Then again, you know, we've got various things. The Lattice Bridge um, in the cemetery over the Gornless. We've got one of the industrial buildings, which we worked out by the, the research report was actually a drill hall. Um, the one at the bottom, most recently an electrical um, wholesaler, yeah. built... Well, exactly. Well, <laughs> which, which one? Um, it was actually built as um, the Employment Exchange. So it was a government building when it was built in the 30s. So hence why it's got the window surrounds and it's actually quite a grand building. It wasn't built as a commercial building. It was the employment exchange. (laughs) We've just had a couple of meetings with the anti-social behavior team out there. Um, There is a planning permission in place for it to come forward as a retail shop as as sort of a small supermarket. So don't quote me on that. Again, it's, it's market driven. If they think the people over the road in the new houses will come and spend money, it might happen. Um, but again, you know, interesting history as a building. It's not particularly special, but it's part of the, the social evolution of the town. The tower, well, the tower is what we call the Marmite building. Either you know, love it or hate it. Um, there doesn't tend to be much middle ground on that one. But it is probably the most striking addition since Venovium House. Um <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm not from Bishop Portland. <laughs> and I come in and I've seen that and I thought, what the Do you know what it's It's disgraceful. Oh, yes, I agree Totally well, town, like I say. It should be pulled down. And how many protests have you had looks about like this? Sorry? How many people have protested about None. this? None. Not one. You <laughs> don't?
1: Not one. It went, through, it went
0: through planning with not one objection. And that is a statement of fact. Thank you. Not one objection. Now, that doesn't mean people don't like it. But the planning process is there for people to comment on applications. That was out to consultation, not one. Didn't even go to planning committee. I'm very surprised. Did they know? Uh, It's advertised. People who don't like it have never been up the tower. Don't understand why it represents. Well, you see, it's done what it's meant to do. It's stimulated debate. So anyway, it's on the local (laughs) list. Um, I mean, I'm not defending it. Um, All I'm going to say is that nationally... In the architectural press, it is lauded as one of the best modern buildings in the country, so I suspect it will be listed eventually. Probably like the one I showed you earlier, the 1997 one, I think this will be quite an early addition to the uh, the statutory list. The one at the bottom, simple, robust building, but turns out that it was part of the electricity generating in Bishop Auckland before we had networks that we have now. So that's just behind Beals. Again, similar location to the stone sets that we saw earlier. I'm conscious I've only got a couple of minutes left. Then we've got the more municipal buildings. King's Theatre. Don't know whether anybody's ever been inside that recently, but upstairs in there, um, it looks quite restrained from the outside now. But there are still remnants inside. You can see the social history of that, where you used to have the cafe and the restaurant, where you had the hat store. when well, you know, you'd leave your hat as you, as you got your ticket type thing. So the, there's bits and pieces left in that building, but it reflects the the vitality of, of Bishop Auckland when you had numerous theatres, etc. Um, again, Masonic Hall originally the Temperance Hall. The one at the bottom, um, I know councillors there was, was floating around earlier, but you've got the cafe and the restaurant now, but there's a real history to that building as the old assembly rooms. Um, it's had worship held in there, it's had courts in there. Um, ask councillor there to tell you about the link to Paganini. I haven't got an hour to tell you about that, but there is. There's a musical link to that now, which is an international link. And then we've got the Mechanics Institute which we did ask Historic England to consider as a listed building, um, but they decided it didn't meet the national criteria. I actually really like that building. I think it's quite a grand building for Bishop Auckland. And then we've got what was the old post office, now Wilson's Vets. So it's recognising the quality that Bishop Auckland was. And then we've got the ordinary buildings. We've got the beautiful red brick buildings, whereas if you look up at the bottom of Newgate Street, you've got lovely terracotta work on the upper floors, and it just belies the quality of the town the one on the bottom is the old stationmaster's house near the railway. I didn't know it was the station master's house. I must be stupid because it's in the glass above the door. Um, the Bondgate gallery one, really low building, turns out could be 17th century. So we've got some really early things in Bondgate. And then we've got Albert Hill down at the bottom, which is probably one of the best intact terraces left in County Durham with its beautiful timber bays and everything else. So there's a lot going on in Bishop. Are there any Really urgent questions. I'm more than happy to take questions outside as they change over for the next speaker if anybody has anything they desperately want to ask me. I just want to thank you very much. Good, thank you. And the sun's come out now as well.